you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. If you got a Bible with you, uh, turn to Matthew, and we're going to start a series in the in the uh, Sermon on the Mount this morning. Um, you know, I wrestled all the way up to Wednesday last week and was struggling to know where we should go in the Word today. It's so hard to know, you know, how to act, what to say, what to do in this world that we're living in right now. You know, with the with the unrest in our society and the problem with the races and all the politics going on and all the all the voices that we get to hear. So what do we do? And I, I said last week uh, on uh, during service, and I'll, I want to say it again, that there is not an answer for what ails our society outside of the church. Amen. There isn't. Why is that? Because the church is the only place on earth that proclaims Jesus Christ as the hope of the world. And Jesus Christ, He is the only one who changes hearts when we trust in Him. And then as we walk by faith in, in Him uh, every day, He's changing everything about the way that we live. You know, how, how, we, uh, how we see the world. Uh, our purpose for being here changes when we know Christ. How we see other people, how we treat other people. All of those other people become way more important than us when we're in Christ. And that only happens when we're in Him. So, you know what? People need Jesus. People need, come on now, people, we're outside, you can yell at me, people need Jesus. Amen. <laughs> you know how they find out about Him? Through you. <laughs> through you, through our witness to the world. That's how God set it up as plan A. I can't change it, don't want to change it. We need a witness of love and worship and words of testimony and invitation to come and believe. Come and believe. You know, and the thing is, our words don't carry any weight when we don't have a witness to back them up. And so over the summer, we're going to turn our attention to the greatest sermon that was ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived. These teachings Jesus gives us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. They are words that we can live by and they will have an impact on the world around us if we do. They'll cause us to shine for the kingdom of God. Hi, Jane. They'll cause us to shine for the kingdom of God. And it's the kind of shine that people can't ignore. And I thought, you know, that's exactly what the world needs right now. They need believers to shine for Christ. And so let's... Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, and then, and then we'll pray and get started here. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be together this morning. To be amongst friends and neighbors, church family, brothers and sisters. We're feeling it today like we're supposed to feel it, I think, every week. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the beautiful morning that you've given us to be out here sharing our worship and the word with the world. And so Lord, as we look into this great sermon that your son gave us, pray you'd open our hearts to it, to hear your voice. A lot of distractions out here. Sirens, I know a train's going to come by in a few minutes. So Lord, just grab hold of our hearts, grab hold of our attention this morning as we're wanting to hear from you. We're, we're, we, we need to hear from you this morning to know what it is you want us to do next. So we thank you. I pray the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the more recent advancements in technology that I'm really like a fan of is the LED light bulb. Inside church, we just had a, an upgrade. If you haven't gone in there since we were together, uh, when you leave, go through that door and take a look around because it's pretty cool what's happened in there. But we got a whole new upgrade of all of our lighting. So we got all these LED lighting uh, lights up in there. And so that means we can get any color that you could ask for. And it means it's not hot and it costs a lot less. So all of that is pretty, pretty cool. At home, you can install seven 8.5 watt LED light bulbs and it will use the same amount of electricity as one 60 watt light bulb. So what that means is that it's a whole lot cheaper to keep the lights on than it was when I was a kid. So parents, you're going to have to yell louder to get the kids to turn off the lights because, you know, you're not really saving electricity anymore. So you, when you're going to buy LED, LED light bulbs, you need to know a little something. Because like buying the incandescent bulb, you know, we kind of know what a 25-watt bulb is. You know what it's going to look like. You know how much light you're going to get out of it. You know, 40-watt, 60-watt. We get it, right? 60-watt goes in the living room, 100-watt, you know, whatever. We get that. But when you go to buy a, an LED light bulb, there's like color things you got to know about or it's going to look really weird. And, and then there's something called lumens that you got to know about. So lumens are a measurement of the brightness of an LED bulb. So basically, lumens are the measurement of your shine. Okay? So in a spiritual sense, how much shine are you getting from your life today? You know, what are your spiritual lumens for the kingdom of God? Uh, now, think about this. Your lumens are not set. They're not static. When you're born again and God gives you a new heart, puts His Spirit within you, you get some lumens. But they're not set. As you grow in Him, your lumens can grow. You can get brighter. You can shine more light into the, into the world. It's this cooperation thing we have with God. It's called sanctification. You know, with the process, we grow in Christ. We look more like Him. 
as we, as we follow Him. And that increases our lumens. And when we aren't doing that, we can grow, we can grow dimmer. And so the, the, the truth is that all of us here this morning have great potential to shine greater for the kingdom of God. You, you can increase your lumens. Every single, every single one of us can. And so my hope is as we spend time in this great sermon by the greatest preacher that ever lived that our lumens would get, would grow, we would, our shine would become greater because our world needs some light. And so Jesus' words today, they're going to get us going. They're really one big invitation for us. One big invitation to keep shining for Him. So the, just like every light bulb needs to connect to a source, so to electricity, or, or, or it can't shine at all, that is exactly us when it comes to the kingdom of God, of shining our light for the kingdom of God. We've got capacity, but we've got no electricity. So we've got to submit to the source of the shine. And so verses 1 and 2 said, See in the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. So that's, that's, how it, how it, that's, where the, that's the setting for the sermon. You know, I was amazed. I was truly amazed at how we responded as, as a nation, as a community, to the COVID-19 experts. You know, they get on TV and they tell us what to do to be safe and how to keep other people healthy. And by and large, most people did it. I mean, there was no one here at church. You know? I mean, we stayed away from each other. We're, we're wearing masks in public. We're, we're not shaking hands and hugging. Um, you know, we're, we're doing all these things. Why are we doing those things? Because somebody told us, some infectious disease specialist who's also an expert in public health said, this is how you've got to behave to stay safe and, sit, and to stay healthy. So what, what did we do? We submitted to the source of those words. And then we continued to do it, even though they may or may not be true, right? <laughs> Well, as you hear these words in verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them. Do they carry the same kind of authority in your life as the COVID-19 experts do? These words that you just heard read, do they have the same authority? Or is Jesus, does he, have, does he carry the same weight in your life as the COVID-19 experts? Now, you can't just say yes, you have to look at your behavior to answer the question. That's how you answer it. Now, here's the thing. This, this really is the greatest preacher that ever lived. And this really is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says of Jesus, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So right here, at the beginning, we've got the setting for the sermon, and we've got this chance to come under the shine expert and to listen to his words, his message, and to reorient our lives to do what he says for greater shine. So what is it about Jesus? What is it about this man that people flock to him? I mean, he had to, he had to find higher ground to be able to be seen and heard because there was so many people there. And they didn't get a tent. <laughs> and they didn't have chairs. You know, they, they were sitting on, on the ground, probably in the sun. And so all they had was this man, this carpenter from nowhere who sat down on a rock to teach about the kingdom of God. Now, of course, we know he wasn't just any man. This was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. He has authority and power and truth and life in Himself. So what's your attitude toward Jesus today? What's your attitude? Does He hold a higher position in your life than the COVID-19 experts? 
Now, what about his words? What about the words he's about to, to share? Do you have an appetite for these words in your life? These three chapters of Matthew, they're, they're, they're most likely the highlights of, of a, a greater sermon that uh, Jesus preached. Um, so you can read them in about, in about 15 minutes. Um, so what's your attitude toward these words? You know, we're, we're uh, I'll just remind you, we're in, a, in an election year. Did you need reminded? <laughs> Why not? Because it's all over the place, right? I mean, what are what is this then? A season of words, lots of words, <laughs> words that are difficult to trust, words that are trying to convince us, words that are trying to, you know, you know, get us to feel something good or or bad. So we're we're in this season of words, and we're in a, a time that's been flooded with words, all kinds of words about the virus, all kinds of words about the racism in our country, all of these things, different sides saying different things. Who do we trust? We are bombarded every day by words. So what's different about the words of Matthew 5, 6, and 7? They are not just any words. These are the very words of God. Words that penetrate a soul and change a heart. These words don't have a kernel of truth in them and then try to convince you, you know, that they're true. Every single one of them is true. They are all truth itself and they stand authoritatively over us whether we know it or not. And we have this great country where we have the freedom and opportunity to follow in Jesus' footsteps uh, his, of his disciples and open our heart wide to receive the message that he wants to give us. So his words are very much a power source for our shine. Very, very much. So think about it. What's your attitude toward Jesus? You know, this is really like we're outside. You know, they were outside. We got the tent, we got the chairs, they didn't. But you know what? This is the setting for the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I don't know. We, I could get on the roof. You know, get a, I don't know. Could you get a speaker up there, Lance? <laughs> okay. We'll just stay. We'll just stay on the ground. We'll just stay on the ground. So we gotta lift Jesus up in our lives. We gotta come under His words, and that's how we connect, submit to the source of our shine. Now the next eight verses are really among the uh, the, the most or the greatest words ever spoken in the history of the world. I mean, even uh, people outside Christianity give credence to the divine wisdom of the Beatitudes. So. Our way of thinking is so opposite to the kingdom of God just because of the world that we live in. It takes some meditation and just some slow reading through the Beatitudes to understand what it is to be blessed. So we need to soak in the shine of Jesus' message here. Uh, so when we read through the Beatitudes, you don't want to hear, this is my to-do list to get blessed. And that, that's not what the Beatitudes are for. Don't think, to get God to bless me, I need to pursue humility and poverty and justice and um, pur purity and peace. So Jesus is not telling you how to get blessed. He's also not telling you how to be a good Christian. Listen, Jesus' big idea for preaching was found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that is the gospel. And Jesus was saying that through him, the kingdom of God was available to everyone. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is his rule and his reign. And we can live under God's rule and reign as one of his children by believing and following his son. That's it. 
So that was the new message that this mount, this mountaintop sermon was was preaching. Now the old message was was a lot more familiar uh, to us, um, and it goes something more like: there's this select group of people. Okay, there's a select group of people who are in positions of power and positions of priority. Um, people who are religious, people who are living right. Those people are the ones that can approach God. Those people are the ones, you know, who get blessed. And then along, along comes this poor carpenter from Nazareth who didn't have a home. He's proclaiming something different. He's proclaiming something life-changing, something really shocking, that the kingdom of God is available to all people. They're coming to get me. <laughs> Sorry. Just, just clap. I'd rather have the train, to be honest. <laughs> so, the old message, the people who were religious, they were the ones living right. They were the ones who could come to God. But everybody else was out of luck. But now the kingdom of God is available to all people. And that is the point, really, of the Beatitudes. And so this is where we need to soak in the shine of this message. Because we think, way more often than not, we think like the old way. What is it to be blessed? What is it to be blessed? Who is it that we see in the world as blessed people? The healthy people. The wealthy people. The attractive. The popular people. The winners, the successful, the straight-A students, the leaders, the extroverts. <laughs> These are the blessed people, aren't they? And when we see the losers, when we see the addicted, when we see the depressed and the ugly and the failures and the jobless, I mean, God must not be blessing them for something they did. Right? But Jesus, he's preaching to a crowd of people that came from all over the place. They came to be healed. They came to be relieved and restored. Some came from over a hundred miles away. And most of those folks that came to him were not the winners. There's a, there's a crowd of a bunch of losers there. Now, the original Greek word for blessed, it means to be happy, to be envied. And so I'm going to use those words to help us renew our mind is to who Jesus calls blessed. So verse 3, uh, Jesus said, The poor in spirit are to be envied, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. So, poor in spirit speaks to a humility of heart, or even better yet, a spiritual bankruptcy. So Jesus, he's not saying that to be materially poor, they're the ones to be envied. He's saying the spiritually poor are to be envied. Have you ever known a spiritually rich person? <laughs> you know, somebody who posts all the time, blessed to be a blessing. <laughs> you know those people, I guess. So, you know, you look at them and you get, they really got it going on when it comes to this faith thing. You know, when it comes to their walk with God. I mean, they, I, 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 I admire that person. I want to be like that person. But Jesus says that's not who's blessed. It, it is the ones who know that in them there is no good thing. There is nothing in here that can get me anywhere with God. And without Him, I'm nowhere. I'm lost. I'm in a pit. And I can't get out. That is being spiritually poor. And Jesus said they're the ones that actually have the kingdom. They're the ones that are actually to be envied because they know their need and that's why they're happy. Verse 4, 
Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Who among us wants to be a mourner? I think of our sister Jenny Green. You just buried her mom in April. Um, And I think of uh, Becca and Jake Runyon who just buried their baby, who never got to take a breath in this world. And Jesus says, happy are those who mourn. Why? Why does he say that? Well, not because of the mourning, but because of the comforting presence of God in their life. Because of his presence there. He ministers to the mourning, to those that grieve in a special way. Grief is one of those uh, most difficult of human emotions that we go through. You know, when, um, when we, we experience that. And we're all going to experience grief in this life when people pass away. Or as people come and go in our life. You know, church planning has, has taught me that. Now, people come and go. You know, as, we, as we're just doing life, right? We're just doing life and we, we develop relationships with people and we, we give ourselves to them, we trust them, um, we love them. And then for whatever reason, I mean, maybe they get another job and they have to, and they have to move. And when they do, when, that, when they go, it hurts. And there's, there's grief that we experience there. Not like the, the kind of grief that, you know, in, in the full meal deal when someone passes away. But we all have it. We, we see it every day. Um, and it's, it's there. And no one wants to feel, to feel that pain. But Jesus says there is blessing there for those um, because God is there with them. He is right beside them comforting them. Verse 5 says, The meek are to be envied, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, meek people, uh, they're people who don't really think much of themselves. And meek people, they're the wallflowers and the insecure. They're the ones who kind of shrink in the shadow of the winners. They get left out a lot because they don't try too hard with people. And they get left behind a lot. They don't measure up or they don't feel like they measure up. And so they don't think that God's going to bless them with anything. And Jesus says they get the earth. (laughs) You know, just because they don't feel that way about themselves doesn't mean that's the way God feels about them. Their value to Him is not based on their abilities. It's not based on their accomplishments. And that's demonstrated. You can see that in what He's planning on giving Him. Listen, if you're a meek one here today, There is blessing to be found in seeing yourself through your Father's eyes. There's definitely blessing there. Verse 6. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are to be envied, for they shall be satisfied. You know, there's a whole group of people today, a whole group of people that are looking at this crazy world and they are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You know, they see the violence, they see the, the injustice, the hurt, the heartache. And what they're doing is they're asking God, how long? How long until you come and bring a tidal wave of righteousness to this land? How long? Those people are going to be satisfied. Because Jesus is coming. The first time he came, he came in obscurity. Hardly anybody noticed and it was in humility. The next time he comes, he's riding a white horse. Everybody's going to see it. He's going to bring an army with him and he's going to set up his kingdom of righteousness right here. And when that happens, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That day is coming. How do you live happy in this day filled with darkness and death? Look forward to that day. 
It's coming. It's coming like the sun is going to rise tomorrow. You can bank on it. Because Jesus said so. Verse 7, The merciful are to be envied, for they shall receive mercy. You know, people who give mercy aren't typically envied. Um, the world sees mercy as weakness. And merciful people are easy to be taken advantage of. And we don't like to be weak, and we don't like to be taken advantage of. How much different would our world be today if one policeman had mercy on one black man by lifting his knee one inch? How much different would our world be? Now, mercy is really popular right now because it's under pressure. Okay? It's under pressure. But when the pressure goes away, when the protests go away, so will the mercy. Why? Because mercy is what makes people merciful. It's the reason why the merciful are blessed, because they've received the mercy from God. Jesus said that those who have been forgiven much who've received much mercy, will love much. They'll be merciful people. Those who have been forgiven little will love little. It's upside down, isn't it? Verse 8. Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart. I think these are simple people. You know, people who are not caught up in the rat race. They aren't trying to be somebody or meet somebody or keep up with anybody. They don't want much and they usually don't have much. When, when they serve, you usually don't see it because they're doing it in the background. When they give, you don't know about it because they don't talk about it. They don't need a spotlight. They tend to be invisible. They're not people that the world would call blessed. But Jesus does. Jesus calls them blessed. And see, it's their simplicity that helps them focus on God, His worship, and His work. And the invisible people... Jesus says they're going to see a visible God. Ooh, that's a blessing. Verse 9, Happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, one year for Father's Day, Lori, my wife, got my boys t-shirts that said, Chip off the old block. And she got me a t-shirt that said, The block. So, you know, when, when we work at making peace with people, we are acting like our Heavenly Father. We're a chip off the old block. Sorry, Father. Don't mean to... You know. So, if you, you, if you just look at what the Son of God did with His life. You know, when He came the first time, uh, if you look at His life, you'll see a picture of how your life will go if you follow Him. Jesus was a peacemaker. He came to make... That was his mission. He came to make peace between us and God. That was why he came. And he did that by inserting himself into our conflict. And he removed our offenses. He took them all on himself. And when he died on that cross, he satisfied God's justice by paying the penalty, the death penalty, for our sins. For my sins. For yours. And so we make peace with God by trusting in who He is and what He's done and not in who we are and what we do. We can't do anything. Jesus did it all. And once this gets right, once we have peace vertically with God, then He leads us to start making peace like this. You know, becoming peacemakers with other people. 
And when we do that, it always costs us something. It always costs us something. It might be our rights. It might be winning an argument. Costs us. Peace, peace is expensive. When we pay the price with our life or our rights or our desire to win, what are we doing? We're acting like our Heavenly Father. We're acting like His children. So we'll be called sons of God, daughters of God. And we will know blessing. The last one is in verse 10. Those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are to be envied, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's the bookend of the illustration Jesus gives there. The first one ended with, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last one ends with, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So really, all of these things go together and they paint this picture of what a believer looks like. And so, who would call the persecuted blessed ones? God. God calls them blessed. Listen, persecution is a promise for those in the kingdom of God. And so when the blessed people go out into the world to shine for the kingdom of God in dark places, the other kingdom gets mad. Because it cannot compete and it starts to work against it. And so for followers of Christ who live in under, under the rule and reign of God, there's this spiritual war going on. And it's real. And it shows up in the physical you know, I think we, we consider ourselves so blessed to live in this country to be able to do this without fear of the police showing up. Although we do have a little bit of a fear because I'm pretty sure that we broke the noise ordinance of McCordsville this morning. But that's okay, we wanted to. We'll just invite them, we have more chairs. Uh, and it wouldn't be the first time the police showed up at one of our gatherings. So, we have no threat, you know, to do this. But we feel maybe sorry and maybe even admire people in other countries who put their lives at risk to be able to do this. You know? But do we envy them? No, yeah, we don't. <laughs> God says they're the blessed ones. See, there's a different kind of life to live following Jesus. It's different. Different values in the world, different motives, different perspectives on people, a different reason to be here. And as we let Jesus' words renew our minds about who is blessed, it's going to do some things in our hearts and it's going to start changing the way we see the good life. If you're here pursuing the American dream, you're shooting way too low. It does not satisfy. It is a figment of your imagination. It is a promise that will not be kept. You need to go higher. You need to raise your, your purpose for being here to a kingdom dream. Something that's going to last forever. Something that God can do through us. So, soak in the shine of what Jesus is, is talking about here. Take the Beatitudes home this week and just kind of go through them every day and let Him speak to you. Look at different versions of the Bible and how they've been translated and let them speak to you differently. It, it'll help you. Because you know what the world needs right now? They need us to keep shining. And that's where we start. Now, verses 11 and 12, there's some sobering realities there uh, for people who want to shine in the dark. And they are those promises of persecution. And they are what cause us to shrink back into our comfort zones, into the safety of our world. So to shine for God in this world, we are going to have to struggle with that shrink. Okay, so Jesus said in, in, in 11 and in, in verse 12, Blessed are you who, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, 
for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So if you plan to take this message seriously, this man and this message, if you plan on that, plan on suffering. Plan on betrayal, on belittling, on insults, mocking, discrimination. Plan on it. If you shine in the dark, just even a little bit, the darkness won't like it because it can't do anything about it. It just, you know, it's going to go away. Because we always win when we shine. Jesus said, when, not if this happens, but when this happens to you, when others insult you. Why would they insult us? Um, because we believe. We believe that God is real and really God. I mean, they will insult us for that. Because if you look at our world, there's a lot of people walking away from God because they don't see Him. All they see is yuck. They will, they will think we are naive to believe that this Bible is true, that it's historical, that it was written by who we read is, it was written by, that it happened just like this. They think, are you serious? A, a worldwide flood? Are you serious? A woman having a baby who was a virgin? What? Don't you know anything about science? Seven-day creation? What? Insults. You're going to be called names. You'll be described as intolerant, hateful, and extreme if you really want to follow Jesus in the dark places. And he says, look, you can be as nice as you want to be. You can be as relevant as you want to be, as loving as you want to be. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you're going to follow Christ and be faithful to Him, He doesn't say you're going to get persecuted because of you. He says you're going to get persecuted because of Him. On account of Him. You know, I can't remember where it says this in Corinthians, but he says we are the fragrance of Christ. To some, we're the fragrance of life. To others, we're the fragrance of what? Death. We don't get to choose how people smell us. We just get to smell. It's all right. <laughs> so, these are promises. In some countries, this means that you can, you, you know, you could get put in jail for showing up at, at this event. In, in some countries, means means you you could you could die for going to your small group on Wednesday night. In some places in the world, you name Jesus as your Savior and Lord, your family won't talk to you anymore. They will disown you. You're, they'll say you're dead to me. That kind of stuff is going on, even this very day. Jesus said, they'll make up stories about us and falsely accuse us of all kinds of evil. All, all, all on account of Him. And so all of this stuff is what causes us to shrink. You know, to shrink back. So we've got to have a strategy to struggle with that. And so I'm going to give you one. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's encouragement to Timothy. It gives us this strategy. So listen, these are Paul's words to Timothy. Timothy's at the beginning of his life. Paul's at the end of his life. He's telling him how to do this. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So this, the strategy in there is... Every day, offer yourself to God as a drink offering to be poured out. It's Romans 12.1. Offer your bodies to God. You know, at, at holy and pleasing to Him. This is your spiritual act of worship. Every day, Romans 12.1. And then every day, pray to remain faithful. 
Do not think that you can fight the darkness on your own. There's, there's nothing in you. If you go into it, you're, you're going into it without God's armor. You need to pray that God will be faithful. I thank God every day that the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is faithfulness. I used to think, you know, I had to be faithful on my own. No. Holy Spirit will do it. He'll do it. So you ever think, you know, what would I do if somebody put a gun to my head, you know, and said, you know, denounce Jesus or you're going to die? Don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit will give you the fruit of faithfulness and you'll do what you have to do to be faithful to God in, in the moment. But that, you know, most likely ain't going to happen to us. Uh, but we need to pray to remain faithful to fight this good fight. And then the last thing is to live for the prize that we that we get when we see Jesus. Live for the greater reward. You know, instead of, instead of the stuff we get here, it, it's, just, it's all going to burn. Everything that we get here is going to burn. But Jesus is going to give us a crown of righteousness, and He's going to give it to us personally. So we want to live for that. So the strategy is surrender your body. Fit. Fight faithfully with prayer and look forward to that greater reward. That's how we struggle with this shrink when we feel that temptation. And all that helps us keep on shining. And that's exactly what the world needs us to do today. So we're going to wrap up our time together here with celebrating the Lord's Supper, which we haven't done since Good Friday maybe. Um, so take out your element there and if you peel off the top there's a, a wafer in there and while you're doing that I want to explain why we do this why do we do this because Jesus told us to he told us this is the way that we remember him um, he, he Jesus was sent on a peacemaking mission that's why he came by His Heavenly Father. He came and He lived our life and He did that without sin. And so when the time was right in His life, after He'd done everything that was necessary for His ministry, He gave Himself over, over to sinful man. They did to Him what He said they would do to us. They arrested Him. They unjustly convicted Him. They beat Him. They spit on Him. They mocked Him. They paraded Him through the streets half, streets half dead and they hung Him on a cross naked in shame. And all of that He did for me. And He did for you. So that the penalty for our sins could be paid. So that we could receive forgiveness from God. And have a life with Him forever. He did that. Now, if Jesus was just any man, what He did wouldn't, wouldn't have been sufficient to pay that penalty for everybody. But he proved once and for all that he wasn't just any man on the third day after he died. Because that grave is empty. And he walked out of that tomb that he was put in. Proven to everybody. And he says, listen, anybody who believes in me will never die. No one has ever said that but Jesus. And he's alive today. And so before we take and eat, I want to ask you, have you believed in Jesus? Have you trusted Him with your life? Is your life in His hands? Today is the day of salvation. I love that verse in the Bible. Today is the day of salvation. And anybody who hears God calling, just turn to Jesus and just say, I believe in you. 
forgive me of my sins. Lead me into this life that you that you promised. And so I invite you to do that today as uh, we take the bread and and drink the cup. And so I'm going to pray, and then just while we pray, we'll take we'll just do this together. I'll just lead you right through it. So let's pray together. For this is what the Lord Himself has said about His table, and I have passed it on to you before. That on the night when Judas betrayed Him, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when He had given thanks to God for it, He broke it and gave it to His disciples and said, Take this and eat it. This is My body which is given for you. Do this to remember Me. And in the same way, He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by My blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death that he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. And so, Lord, as we get ready to go out into this world, we ask you to bless us, walk with us, help us shine as loud as that train is. Help us, Lord, reach across these boundaries that are in our lives to people that are afraid, that need love and care, that need someone to listen to them. Help us be the people you need us to be. You're the one who put us in this country. None of us chose to be born here. We're here because you put us here. And so this is the world you want us to love. Help us to go out and love them today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.